Chapter Twenty of the Marvelous Land of Oz by L. Frank Baum. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty: The Scarecrow Appeals to Glinda the Good. Hooray! Shouted the Scarecrow gaily. We can now leave this miserable jackdaw's nest whenever we please. But it is nearly dark," said the Tin Woodman. And unless we wait until morning to make our flight, we may get into more trouble. I don't like these night trips, for one never knows what will happen. So it was decided to wait until daylight, and the adventurers amused themselves in the twilight by searching the jackdaw's nest for treasures. The wogglebug found two handsome bracelets of wrought gold, which fitted his slender arms very well. The scarecrow took a fancy for rings. Of which there were many in the nest. Before long, he had fitted a ring to each finger of his padded gloves, and not being content with that display, he added one more to each thumb. As he carefully chose these rings, set with sparkling stones such as rubies, amethysts, and sapphires, the scarecrow's hands now presented a most brilliant appearance. This nest would be a picnic for Queen Ginger," he said musingly. "For as nearly as I can make out, she and her girls conquered me merely to rob my city of its emeralds." The Tin Woodman was content with his diamond necklace and refused to accept any additional decorations. But Tip secured a fine gold watch, which was attached to a heavy fob and placed in his pocket with much pride. He also pinned several jeweled brooches to Jack Pumpkinhead's red waistcoat, and attached a lorgnette by means of a fine chain to the neck of the sawhorse. "It's very pretty," said the creature, regarding the lorgnette approvingly. "But what is it for?" None of them could answer that question, however. So the sawhorse decided it was some rare decoration, and became very proud of it. That none of the party might be slighted, they ended by placing several large seal rings upon the points of the gump's antlers, although that odd personage seemed by no means gratified by the attention. Darkness soon fell upon them, and Tip and the Wogglebug went to sleep, while the others sat down to wait patiently for the day. Next morning they had cause to congratulate themselves upon the useful condition of the gump. For with daylight, a great flock of jackdaws approached to engage in one more battle for the possession of the nest. But our adventurers did not wait for the assault. They tumbled into the cushioned seats of the sofas as quickly as possible, and Tip gave the word to the gump to start. At once it rose into the air, the great wings flopping strongly and with regular motions, and in a few moments. They were so far from the nest that the chattering jackdaws took possession without any attempt of pursuit. The thing flew due north, going in the same direction from whence it had come. At least that was the scarecrow's opinion, and the others agreed that the scarecrow was the best judge of direction. After passing over several cities and villages. The gump carried them high above a broad plain, where houses became more and more scattered, until they disappeared altogether. 
Next came the wide, sandy desert, separating the rest of the world from the land of Oz, and before noon they saw the dome-shaped houses that proved they were once more within the borders of their native land. "'But the houses and fences are blue,' said the Tin Woodman, "'and that indicates we are in the land of the Munchkins, and therefore a long distance from Glinda the Good.' "'What shall we do?' asked the boy, turning to their guide. "'I don't know,' replied the Scarecrow, frankly. "'If we were at the Emerald City, we could then move directly southward, and so reach our destination. But we dare not go to the Emerald City, and the Gump is probably carrying us further in the wrong direction with every flop of its wings.' "'Then the Wogglebug must swallow another pill,' said Tip decidedly. And wish us headed in the right direction. Very well, returned the highly magnified one. I'm willing. But when the scarecrow searched in his pocket for the pepper box containing the two silver wishing pills, it was not to be found. Filled with anxiety, the voyagers hunted throughout every inch of the thing for the precious box, but it had disappeared entirely. And still the gump flew onward, carrying them they knew not where. "'I must have left the pepper-box in the jackdaw's nest,' said the scarecrow at length. "'It is a great misfortune,' the tin woodman declared. "'But we are no worse off than before we discovered the wishing-pills.' "'We're better off,' replied Tip, "'for the one pill we used has enabled us to escape from that horrible nest.' Yet the loss of the other two is serious, and I deserve a good scolding for my carelessness, the Scarecrow rejoined penitently, for in such an unusual party as this accidents are liable to happen any moment, and even now we may be approaching a new danger. No one dared contradict this, and a dismal silence ensued. The Gump flew steadily on. Suddenly Tip uttered an exclamation of surprise. "'We must have reached the South Country,' he cried, "'for below us everything is red.' Immediately they all leaned over the backs of the sofas to look, all except Jack, who was too careful of his pumpkin-head to risk it slipping off his neck. Sure enough, the red houses and fences and trees indicated they were within the domain of Glinda the Good, and presently— as they glided rapidly on, the tin woodman recognized the roads and buildings they passed, and altered slightly the flight of the gump, so that they might reach the palace of the celebrated sorceress. "'Good!' cried the scarecrow delightedly. "'We do not need the lost wishing-pills now, for we have arrived at our destination.' Gradually the thing sank lower and nearer to the ground, until at length it came to rest within the beautiful gardens of Glinda, settling upon a velvety green lawn close by a fountain which sent sprays of flashing gems instead of water high into the air, whence they fell with a soft tinkling sound into the carved marble basin placed to receive them. Everything was very gorgeous in Glinda's gardens and while our voyagers gazed about with admiring eyes, 
a company of soldiers silently appeared and surrounded them. But these soldiers of the great sorcerers were entirely different from those of Ginger's army of revolt, although they were likewise girls. For Glenda's soldiers wore neat uniforms and bore swords and spears, and they marched with a skill and precision that proved them well trained in the arts of war. The captain commanding this troop, which was Glenda's private bodyguard, recognized the scarecrow and the tin woodman at once, and greeted them with respectful salutations. "'Good day,' said the scarecrow, gallantly removing his hat, while the woodman gave a soldierly salute. "'We have come to request an audience with your fair ruler.' "'Glenda is now within her palace awaiting you,' returned the captain for she saw you coming long before you arrived. "'That is strange,' said Tip, wondering. "'Not at all,' answered the Scarecrow, "'for Glinda the Good is a mighty sorceress, and nothing that goes on in the land of Oz escapes her notice. I suppose she knows why we came as well as we do ourselves.' "'Then what was the use of our coming?' asked Jack stupidly. "'To prove you are a pumpkin-head,' retorted the Scarecrow. "'But if the sorceress expects us, we must not keep her waiting.' So they all clambered out of the sofas and followed the captain toward the palace, even the sawhorse taking his place in the queer procession. Upon her throne of finely wrought gold sat Glinda, and she could scarcely repress a smile as her peculiar visitors entered and bowed before her. Both the Scarecrow and the Tin Woodman she knew and liked, but the awkward Pumpkinhead and highly magnified Wogglebug were creatures she had never seen before, and they seemed even more curious than the others. As for the Sawhorse, he looked to be nothing more than an animated chunk of wood, and he bowed so stiffly that his head bumped against the floor, causing a ripple of laughter among the soldiers, in which Glinda frankly joined. "'I beg to announce to your glorious highness,' began the Scarecrow in a solemn voice, "'that my emerald city has been overrun by a crowd of impudent girls with knitting-needles, who have enslaved all the men, robbed the streets and public buildings of all their emerald jewels, and usurped my throne.' "'I know it,' said Glinda. They also threatened to destroy me, as well as all the good friends and allies you see before you," continued the Scarecrow, and had we not managed to escape their clutches, our days would long since have ended. "'I know it,' repeated Glinda. "'Therefore I have come to beg your assistance,' resumed the Scarecrow, "'for I believe that you are always glad to succor the unfortunate and oppressed.' "'That is true.' replied the sorceress slowly. But the Emerald City is now ruled by General Ginger, who has caused herself to be proclaimed queen. What right have I to oppose her? Why, she stole the throne from me, said the Scarecrow. And how came you to possess the throne? asked Glinda. I got it from the Wizard of Oz, and by the choice of the people, returned the Scarecrow, uneasy at such questioning. "'And where did the wizard get it?' she continued gravely. "'I am told he took it from Pastoria, the former king, 
said the scarecrow, becoming confused under the intent look of the sorceress. Then, declared Glinda, the throne of the Emerald City belongs neither to you nor to Ginger, but to this Pastoria from whom the wizard usurped it. That is true, acknowledged the scarecrow humbly. But Pastoria is now dead and gone, and someone must rule in his place. Pastoria had a daughter, who is the rightful heir to the throne of the Emerald City. Did you know that? questioned the sorceress. No, replied the scarecrow. But if the girl still lives, I will not stand in her way. It will satisfy me as well to have Ginger turned out as an impostor as to regain the throne myself. In fact, it isn't much fun to be king, especially if one has good brains. I have known for some time that I am fitted to occupy a far more exalted position. But where is the girl who owns the throne, and what is her name? Her name is Ozma, answered Glinda. But where she is I have tried in vain to discover. For the Wizard of Oz, when he stole the throne from Ozma's father, hid the girl in some secret place, and by means of a magical trick with which I am not familiar he also managed to prevent her being discovered, even by so experienced a sorceress as myself. "'That is strange,' interrupted the Wogglebug pompously. "'I have been informed that the wonderful Wizard of Oz was nothing more than a humbug.' "'Nonsense!' exclaimed the Scarecrow, much provoked by this speech. Didn't he give me a wonderful set of brains? There's no humbug about my heart, announced the Tin Woodman, glaring indignantly at the Wogglebug. Uh, perhaps I uh, uh, was misinformed, stammered the insect, shrinking back. I never knew the wizard personally. Well, we did, retorted the Scarecrow. And he was a very great wizard, I assure you. It is true he was guilty of some slight impostures, but unless he was a great wizard, how, let me ask, could he have hidden this girl Ozma so securely that no one can find her? I, I give it up, replied the Wogglebug meekly. That is the most sensible speech you've made, said the Tin Woodman. I must really make another effort to discover where this girl is hidden, resumed the sorceress thoughtfully. I have in my library a book in which is inscribed every action of the wizard while he was in our land of Oz, or at least every action that could be observed by my spies. This book I will read carefully tonight and try to single out the acts that may guide us in discovering the lost Ozma. In the meantime, Pray amuse yourselves in my palace, and command my servants as if they were your own. I will grant you another audience to-morrow. With this gracious speech, Glinda dismissed the adventurers, and they wandered away through the beautiful gardens, where they passed several hours, enjoying all the delightful things with which the Queen of the Southland had surrounded her royal palace. On the following morning they again appeared before Glinda, who said to them, I have searched carefully through the records of the wizard's actions, and among them I can find but three that appear to have been suspicious. 
He ate beans with a knife, made three secret visits to old Mombi, and limped slightly on his left foot. Ah, that last is certainly suspicious, exclaimed the pumpkinhead. Not necessarily, said the scarecrow. He may have had corns. Now it seems to me his eating beans with a knife is more suspicious. Perhaps it is a polite custom in Omaha, from which great country the wizard originally came, suggested the tin woodman. It may be, admitted the scarecrow. But why, asked Glinda, did he make three secret visits to old Mombi? Ah, why indeed, echoed the Wogglebug impressively. We know that the wizard taught the old woman many of his tricks of magic, continued Glinda, and this he would not have done had she not assisted him in some way. So we may suspect with good reason that Mombi aided him to hide the girl Ozma, who was the real heir to the throne of the Emerald City, and a constant danger to the usurper. For if the people knew that she lived, they would quickly make her their queen and restore her to her rightful position. And able argument, cried the scarecrow. I have no doubt that Mombi was mixed up in this wicked business. But how does that knowledge help us? We must find Mombi, replied Glinda, and force her to tell us where the girl is hidden. Mombi is now with Queen Ginger in the Emerald City, said Tip. It was she who threw so many obstacles in our pathway, and made Ginger threaten to destroy my friends and give me back into the old witch's power. Then, decided Glinda, I will march with my army to the Emerald City and take Mombi prisoner. After that we can perhaps force her to tell the truth about Ozma. She is a terrible old woman remarked Tip, with a shudder at the thought of Mombi's black kettle, and obstinate, too. I am quite obstinate myself, returned the sorceress with a sweet smile, so I do not fear Mombi in the least. Today I will make all necessary preparations, and we will march upon the Emerald City at daybreak tomorrow. End of chapter 20